because of my choices, this happens to me. So then that means if I make new choices, other stuff is going to happen to me. Like, wow, this is very empowering. Hi, welcome to the Melrose Show. Melrose here. If you've listened to this intro before, you can click the forward button now eight times to get to the start of this episode. So before this version of myself, I was an artist, fashion designer, professional model, TV personality, small business owner, real estate agent, placement agent, and an institutional financial advisor, all before stepping into my current role, which I love in investor relations and podcasting professional. Woo! It was a wild ride to get here. And after all those jobs, living in six countries, 16 different cities, and trying on many versions of myself, I have found that the best place to live is comfortably in my purpose and in a space and a community that allows me and wants to see me grow. And I want the same for you. Through my highly versatile career path and working with others on their dreams along the way, I decided to start this podcast to try to help people understand that life is not a race, it's a marathon, career is not a ladder, it's a jungle gym, and that I really believe truly the best way in life is following curiosity. My curiosity has me focused on career, plants, shadow light and integration work, art, permaculture, and community building. These are my purposes in life. And for me, they all go together. They're topics that we will explore together throughout time on this podcast. And I come here to connect you to unique ideas from incredible people. The aim is to help us all grow more into our purpose-driven lives. This podcast supports a community of amazing humans that meet on full moons to howl and heal. We are a global community. Many are interviewed on this podcast. And I invite you to join us offline after the show. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this exploration journey with people from around the world who have self-actualized in their lives in some way. Hopefully, they will inspire you in your own authentic journey. Enjoy! Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Melrose Show. Today, we are joined by Chris Sauer. She is a film producer and director, and she is based in Los Angeles. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's really an honor to be in your show. I'm so excited to have you on here. We tried to do this before. I failed miserably. It was, you were one of my first guests. So thank you for doing this twice. Um, I really love your story and your first film and like what you've managed to create out of your experience in the industry. And so could you just give us a little bit of insight to your background and then how you came to being a film producer and director? Okay, so where do I start? <laughs> At the beginning. Um, <laughs> okay, so I am originally from Brazil. I started modeling when I was 20, now I'm 40. And yeah, that was also something unexpected because I was, at the time I was studying civil engineering and I knew that that's not what I wanted to do. It was kind of like, 
you know, the path that your parents went for you. Mm. And then I just jumped on the, you know, university wagon. And, and then one day I got approached by this agent and then he's like, oh my God, like, you know, you have all the features to be a model. You should be a model. You'd be traveling around the world doing this and doing that. I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> and, you know, for my entire life up to that point, I was bullied for being like the tallest girl, you know, super skinny and this and that. So like, I was not comfortable in my own skin up to that point. I'm like, wait a minute. And then just because someone else came to me and said, hey, you, you know, you have the features. You're so pretty. I'm like, wow, I'm pretty. <laughs> I know I that. oh we were so bullied the skinny girls and no one protected us right but, yeah but wait so you were you're from Brazil right this was it all in yes. Brazil okay yeah and then so next next Monday so that was over the weekend in a party next Monday I go to his agency they signed me up I took Polaroid back then and then they started sending it out to clients I started working I started traveling immediately so then I had dropped off um, the civil engineering and I mean, I worked for almost 20 years as a fashion model. And then, you know, you're in your mid thirties and then you start having like this insecurities about age and then people start like, oh my God, you should start like never tell people that you are already 30 plus. And so all of a sudden that became an issue. And also in the modeling industry, you never too skinny. You know, they say that mm. you're never too rich or too skinny. I'm like, this is so dumb. Like people shouldn't even think that this is a joke. Yeah. But <clears throat> so it, it's very interesting when I look back now because the insecurities that I had, you know, before of being too skinny became like, oh my God, I'm not skinny enough. Just because there was a shift on the outside perspective, not because anything inside of me changed. And that had created like a whole lot of like other insecurities about always the physical body because you're never good enough. And you know, your next job is gonna be because you're better between quotes than someone else. So it's always like this very aggressive world. And you surface, know. yeah. And like very, very superficial. Yeah. Exactly. But then at the same time, you're working with very talented and very creative and very kind people. You know, I've totally. met like some of the most amazing people in my journey. So you have the two sides. But yes, it's very superficial. Um, I think now they, they're trying to change this a little more, you know, be a little more inclusive, but still is always like on the physical and one question that I always had especially because I come from you know I mean I was studying civil engineering so I had to study like my butt off right yeah and so in castings I would be like oh my god like these people they could not care less if I have a brain or not right if I just have a soapbox yeah it's better if you don't actually exactly (laughs) because then you're not going to ask that many questions totally so as long as the soapbox is pretty, that's all they cared. And I'm like, oh my God, like I have more to offer, but that was never like, you know, important for what I was doing at the time. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the insecurities, they started to build up. And then in the mid thirties, you know, people start asking the questions like, oh my God, when are you gonna get married? When are you gonna have kids? You know, like, 
time is ticking, you're a woman and this and that. So that like, you know, the outside started to dump more of their own insecurities on me. And mm. obviously I started to absorb all that stuff because mm. I, I didn't really know who I was at that point. And that's why I started absorbing and, you know, making their insecurities my insecurities. Um, so then I ended up in a very toxic relationship that, you know, again, when I look back now, I'm like, oh my God, like it had every sign in the beginning that was like <laughs> super toxic, super wrong. Um, and it was totally like not gonna work whatsoever. So, you know, because I didn't want to see what was in front of me, you know, the toxic relationship starts and you don't do anything about it and then just escalates and then it became physical. And then I'm like, and then when it finally became physical, that's I think when it hit me that there was something really wrong. And mm -hmm. it's very like funny, you know, that I didn't understand that I was in a toxic relationship until it became physical because for me, like, you almost like you have to be physically violent to be violent, mm. you know, but like the, the verbal, the mental, the mm. everything else was already consuming me so much. And I think because of that, you know, the physical abuse happens because you, you, like I know today that I allowed all the other things to happen before. Mm. And yeah, my self-esteem, I didn't have any self-esteem. I didn't have any self-worth, any, you know, self-love. But that was like the turning point for me because I'm like, oh my God, you know, this person just hit me like really bad. And I thought I was going to die because mm. you don't know when that's going to stop. You don't know when the end of that fight is going to be. And I think when you come to that point, it's like, how much lower can I go? And then that really triggers something inside of me. And then I just could not stop thinking about it. I'm like, wait a minute. I think it's not always the other person. There must be something inside of me. Like, what am I doing that is not right? You know, so instead of like always blaming the outside, I started bringing that inside of me. It's like, mm. you know, like, am I allowing this to happen? So like the, the, the question started to change a little bit. And and then a few days later, I got this invitation to go watch the Forrest Gump. It was the 20th anniversary. And then while watching the film, you know, it clicked me. I'm like, I want to be the person that is in a war because I felt that I was in my internal war. And mm -hmm. there was a war outside of me happening as well, you know, with my former partner that was mm -hmm. my fiance, you know, the person that you're going to get married. That is just like, it's very close to you and you trust and so there was like a lot happening inside and outside of me and then when I saw Forrest Gump like seeing the beauty while he was at the Vietnam War it's like oh my god you know that was so powerful mm. and really like woke up something inside of me I'm like I want to be like Forrest you know awesome. I want to see this beauty that he's seeing, I'm like, 
how can you see beauty in the world? Like, how can you like, oh my God, the trees are pretty, the green. I'm like, <laughs> and, then, and that's when he hit me. Like, I want to make a movie about beauty. Mm. I want to find beauty. I want to, first of all, like I need to define what, what is beauty anyway? So then I started my quest for beauty that became my documentary. At first, I wanted it to be something very abstract. I just wanted to define beauty through the eyes of like very different people. And then, you know, through the journey, it was over the course of a year, I traveled to 11 countries. And then, so you start like, you know, by interviewing people, I like, they would wake up something inside of me. It was like mm -hmm. click here and then something there would click there. And it was like the several little clicks that made me understand that the journey was about me discovering myself. And it was very powerful and very beautiful and something that I'll be forever grateful because all those people, they, you know, they woke up something inside of me that I didn't know wasn't that was there mm. you know but until like first I had to stop the oh poor me 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 why this happened mm. to me and to like wait a minute you know like if I change this lens if I change this perception and go like okay so because of my choices this happens to me so then that means if I make new choices other stuff is going to happen to me like wow this is very empowering yeah and then yeah, I started paying attention to my choices and the everyday choice like even like the food that I eat the people that I connect with the you know friends and and, and even family sometimes can be toxic right mm -hmm. so like little by little like you start like wow and like there's so many different layers of this world that for me was maybe a little pale before and colors and stuff and I'm like wow you know today I feel like I see things so differently than I did like even five six years when I started making the film wow and yeah, so like finding this beauty, I think for me it was so, so powerful. And it really oh. saved my life, you know, because- True beauty. Exactly. And we even have to say true beauty because we have like this very superficial beauty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like, and I'm not saying that there isn't beauty in the physical body and that the body is not important. Like some people, they try, they, you know, like they have this very strange notion that oh yeah the physical body is not important like listen if we were given the physical body by a god the universe or whatever you want to call it that means that's important you know this is our home we were all given a home let's take care of this home yeah Oh my goodness, so much to unload here and just to process. But I think when we first had connected, so much of your story rang really true to my own experience. And I know a lot of models do have this experience where we don't come from backgrounds that are um, highly critical necessarily. And yet 10, 15 years in an industry that... Um, 
has us doing a job that is kind of abusive. Yes, the moment where you're taking pictures and you're working with this amazing um, group of people is amazing, but it's such a small fraction of the actual work, you know, and the job, the actual job is being rejected or accepted very minimally um, for your physicality. And so it kind of is an abusive industry in that regard. Like you said, you can never be too skinny. I'll never forget it when my agency told me to lose weight. And I was like, this is the first time I've ever had boobs. I'm not losing them. And I was like really disgusted. I, over the years, I was asked also many times, but my point is this, you know, when we work in an abusive industry or we are taking abuse at work, we often perpetuate that in our personal lives. And I ended up in multiple toxic relationships where I feared for my life in two of them. And um, yeah, there is this moment where you're like, what the like, how did I, this strong, smart woman end up with these people who think it's okay to make me feel this low so regularly, um, and even touch me and, and threaten me. And so like, I love that your idea came from watching a movie and now you're a film producer and director. It was a five-year process. It like, wasn't easy, but I mean, props, you know, and, and at a certain point, you know, understanding what is really beautiful and what is just surface beauty is something that I think, um, most people encounter <laughs> in life, hopefully. Um, I'm not sure our society has gotten the message, but, um, I'd love to talk a little bit about that process. So you like sold your car, put everything in storage, and then just traveled for a year and like how did you even know what camera to pick? You just like took a bunch of videos and like, was the question that you started asking people, like, what is beauty to you? You know, like, is that, did you know that you were going out on a beauty quest? It, the movie is called, the documentary is called Quest for Beauty. So you knew that at the start or did it develop? Tell me, tell us this process of your like, I watched Forrest Gump, I'm making changes. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah, that was that was quite a process. You know, when I tell people about the making of the film, they're like, oh my God, this should be your next film. <laughs> because I mean, I didn't have any I went to film school. I did a semester of film school in New York. So I already liked, you know, films. And my favorite genre is documentary because I love I just love people and really I feel like I connect to them in documentaries. Mm, yeah. um, because we're, we all go through the same thing just in different levels and we experience things differently a little bit but we all have the same kind of insecurities and um, so that's something that I already liked so I started reading books I <laughs> I felt like I was like a kid you know discovering how to make a documentary and I think the fact that I was so naive so so naive <laughs> is one of the reasons why I even made this film because I feel like if I knew back then what I know today and this is like six years later maybe I would not have started the film wow yeah you know? so I think there is beauty in being naive because it's yeah. like I mean, I'm just going to buy a camera, a microphone. I'm going to put everything on my backpack. I'm going to sell my car, sell a bunch of my stuff, put everything else in storage, and I'm going to travel. And I'm going to have all these amazing footage from all these amazing countries and all these amazing people that I have in mind. And even like emailing people, 
like, you know, I'll research guru in Los Angeles. And then I'll just blast out, you know, to a few of them that I felt like, oh, I really like the work of this, this person and I really connected. And then whoever would, would respond, that would be the person that I would interview. And then one interview will kind of lead to the next. I'm like, oh, maybe like this person, maybe that person. And one thing that's very interesting is that something that I didn't realize while I was making it because I was more excited about what the person, because it was not just like, the person also had to connect with me and to what I was at least trying to do in order mm -hmm. to give her or his time to that interview, right? And I have way more men than women in the phone. Mm. And that I only realized when actually I, I had an editor on board and then she's like, why do you have so many men? I'm like, oh my God, that's true. But I think because I was not like, I didn't want to have labels. And mm. I was trying to explain to her because like we have like, oh, we don't want to, you know, men mansplaining stuff. I'm like, well, that's actually very more like mansplaining. But then we're always like giving labels to people. And I understand, you know, like, because beauty is a more female energy. But then, you know, men also have this female energy. Men can also connect to this. It's not perhaps pretty obvious. But then, you know, I still have this question in my head to this day is like why more men were more receptive and more willing to you know give an interview for the film than women mm. because I probably email like way more women than men because yeah perhaps women you know like like yeah I have models and you know like fashion designers and stuff but for the I have like philosophers mathematician mm. um, guru and for the most part, more men were like, oh, yeah, sure. Let's talk about this. So I can only speculate. <laughs> maybe it's more complicated for, for women than it is for men. Like men, I think maybe men don't have to think about it all the time. And like, and, and it, it's not like at every intersection of their existence that they have to consider beauty exactly. and what it means, you know, like, I mean, th that that's one luxury of being a man, I guess. Yeah, and maybe women they are also going through their own process of finding what does it mean to be beautiful and defining beauty for themselves and feeling the pressure. Like mm -hmm. not, you know, a lot of women, they're not models. They don't have anything to do with the modeling industry and they still feel the pressure. So maybe they, because of that, so that's just speculation. But anyway, that was like one interesting yeah. thing about it. But yeah, so I put all my stuff in, in storage here in LA and I travel for a year. And I didn't really have like a, like a script, like a roadmap or like, it was kind of like guiding, I'm like, I'm going to go with the flow. I love that. And then, yeah. But it was amazing. <laughs> and that's part of the story. But imagine like you tell the story to any like experienced film producer, they're like, oh my God, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> but that's, that's, I think that's a big part of the film, the fact that I was so, so naive. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's beautiful. And, and also like, maybe it was nice to be traveling to different countries. I mean, you went to like Thailand and Cambodia. I've got Japan, Russia, England, Greece, like you went to a lot of diverse places. And 
as a model, when you travel for work, like you're not, it's kind of like if you're a singer, when you travel for work, or if you travel on business, like you're not like running around, like exploring the town and having the time of your life. I mean, some people might be, but the majority of people who work are like there for a job and then they have to leave. It's not like they're giving you an extra two or three days to explore the place. Um, so I think it's kind of beautiful to take a year after um, doing a ton of traveling for work, like we had to do as models and, and just really enjoy the places and talk to the people. And, you know, like, I think maybe there was some therapy in that for you. <laughs> yeah. And it, yeah, exactly. So another thing that was very interesting to, let's say my approach was that I, I was always like so interested and so present. Mm. you know because I didn't have like oh my god I'm gonna go there and then I'm gonna go there so then like sometimes when you and I'm not saying that being focused or like planning out things is not important but the fact mm. that I allowed myself to like okay so what's you know what's around me right now and then yeah you weren't curating the, 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 the camera yeah right. I love and that. I'm, like, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna curate what I have in the editing room but while I'm there, I want to be present and do my research as I go and talk to people. So that exploration was like really like a, a child discovering the world around like, oh my God, there's this and there's that. So then I felt very present. And the fact that I was always looking for beauty because that was my goal. It's not like, oh, I know what this is. So that kind of like trained my, my mm. brain you know, to see beauty in everything. Yeah. And not think about like, oh my God, how miserable I am. You know, of course, sometimes I'll have like that, you know, roller coaster and then I'll have my panic attacks. But for the most part, I was, one, I was very present. And mm. two, I was so focused in finding beauty. I was like obsessed. <laughs> I think you have to be slightly obsessed beauty. to create a film about something. <laughs> but I definitely like vibe with that where you're like um you know that because just from my experience of the little like little amount of filming I've done in my life um there is a level that is very unnatural when there's cameras around and it's like forced and there's like like not a script but you know it's like there's a guideline and it's like I think that there's something to be said for being able to stay natural when there's cameras around and um, I don't know, like maybe naivety, like maybe being naive is like the produ production factor because um, I think a lot of people, you know, go, don't do things because they don't have enough education. But I think thinking that you can do something and jumping right into it, and just getting, being willing to get your hands dirty and like, just do some work around it and read the books and, and go and travel and pick up a camera. Like that's really cool. And Maybe that, maybe that was a super, your superpower through that process, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think that's certainly something that you don't see most films. And also that's very expensive. You know, that's a very expensive, like, yay, I'm just going to see what happens here. Like, kind of like, <laughs> but you know, that, that also is what makes my film different than other films. And I'm not saying like one is better than the other, but it's certainly different because I, in a way I had the luxury to allow myself. Also, I was not traveling with a crew. I'll, I'll go to, you know, when I went to Thailand, I'll just find like a local person there. 
Yeah. So by reading books and, you know, watching interviews with other filmmakers, like, oh, my first film, you know, this happened and that happened. So it's kind of like with some other people's mistakes, I'm like, oh, I'm going to avoid this. So I, but I only knew that through other people. I didn't have any crew member. I didn't have any producer. I was like a one woman band. Like, <laughs> traveling like would you do that again <laughs> yeah you yes. would okay yes you no, know it's funny because I remember when when I, I was in the on, editing room can I go on the next <laughs> one <laughs> when it was work I'm taking room. a sabbatical to make a film with my friend yeah yeah <laughs> so when I was in the editing room like I had this very experienced um editor and then when I was telling her what I did she would just like scratch her head like oh my god you know and then in a way she's like well that's actually like I can see that in the footage that you had no clue <laughs> so let's embrace this instead of like oh my god let's pretend that you know like you knew exactly what you were doing I'm like yeah because that's so true and then you know it, and that's another lesson you know like embrace what happens it's mm -hmm. like I feel like sometimes in life we're like, oh, sure, I know exactly what you're talking. It's like, why can't we just say, sorry, I have no idea what this No idea. Is. Yeah. You know, like, you know, even in English, I mean, I've been in the US, like now in LA for eight years and total like 10 years because I was two in New York. In the beginning, I'll be horrified when I'll hear a word that I had no idea what it meant. And then today <laughs> I'm like, oh, so what is that? You know, and even like, why do we always have to pretend that we know everything? Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, so I don't know. Like, can you please explain this to me? And, mm -hmm. and then, you know, and she said, she's like, okay, let's embrace the fact that you were discovering not only what beauty was and who you were, and, but also the, the filmmaking language. So that was like, like a whole discovering thing. And that really translates in the film. And, and then she was like, she asked me one day, she's like, what would you do different if it was today? And then I said, Undine, I don't think I would do anything different, not because I think that I did everything right, but because the lessons that I learned doing the things the way I did were so beautiful and so like rich to my life that I think I would do everything just to make sure that I get to the same point that I am mm -hmm. today because I'm so grateful where I, where I am that I wouldn't risk doing something different and not getting to, you know, just for that reason, not because like, oh yeah, like I did everything right. It's, and it's not, and also like this notion of like right and wrong. We're mm. so fixated with that. It's like, no, like if I'm right, you're wrong. And we see that. Too. Right. That's so just like, no, I don't agree with you. I'm going to cancel you. It's like, not everything in life is about right or wrong. No. You know, it's no. about a balance is in the middle. And then it's like, maybe something, was like even like my relationship was super wrong back then but I wouldn't change a thing mm -hmm. because if it wasn't for that wrong between quotes relationship I wouldn't be where I am today so like you, you know what is, what is wrong exactly so even like navigating through that is something that I learned and yeah and then when I you know we see so much aggressiveness today in the world like yeah. oh like you know it's right and left and up and down and black or black I'm like there's so many nuances and you know what's wrong today maybe right tomorrow and vice versa so I think that has taught me 
the entire journey, the inner journey, the outer journey mm. has taught me so many different lessons and, and still learning, still learning. Every time that I watch the film, sometimes I go like, oh my God, like if I hadn't like all these footage, I would not believe myself that I did all this. <laughs> it's, it's, it's I know. I wish like I had taken a camera. Like I wish I had videoed like a tenth of all my traveling. Um, and and I I just give you so much credit for for doing this. And I think you're you're really onto something with with like the. I think there's a really beautiful moment in life that I hope everyone listening to either has found or does find where you're like all that really bad stuff, like made paved way for the good stuff and is, was necessary for the good stuff. And I also feel like I wouldn't, I wouldn't give back any of the bad stuff. Um, which like says a lot, you know, cause for years I was like, where do I find a time machine? You know? Um, but I wouldn't, I like where I'm at in life. And I, I think it's a nice feeling. I guess that is a, the beginning of self-actualization and I think also being in an industry where you feel like you can express yourself and, and grow and, you know, you started from the bottom with filmmaking and now you're like somewhere in the middle. Like, I, I, I mean, I think you're all the way at the top if you've actually gone through with a premiere and put a movie out there. Um, it, you know, one of the things you said um, that when we spoke before that I have in my notes is stop victimizing yourself, find the lesson and empower yourself. And that process is like, really beautiful and i'm what i'm curious like if you could give us just like one or two things where people in the film because we're all gonna like go and watch it after this but like one or two things that people said that was really profound for you in the film or an experience maybe behind the scenes from the film when you were like basically being awoken to what beauty really is oh my god i'll have those moments every day (laughs) (laughs) And, and because I was inside, like I was in such a low space, Mm. like the people that I interviewed and even the traveling, they were kind of like a drug, you know, that I was like, oh my God, I need to talk to more people because I was like, (laughs) while I was talking to them, I was so high because the frequency, the energy, the everything was so incredible. It was just like, oh my God, like. I felt so incredible and I was like they're they were really like giving so much to me and I was trying like to at least like give gratitude back mm. so we created like this bubble of beautiful energy and I think one of the biggest lessons that I learned is that we have to be conscious about every choice that we make you know and for the longest time I was just feeling a victim Mm. oh my god like in the modeling industry they treat me so bad oh poor me oh they always ask me to lose weight oh they always ask me to do this and I was never good enough or like oh for in my relationship I was never like good enough I was never doing things right enough and you know and then I was always feeling like oh poor me like what have I done and then when I started paying attention to the choices that I was making, I was like, wait a minute, I, I chose to be here. And then the other day I listened to something, I can't remember who said this. I think it was Dr. Wayne Dyer. So I didn't make this up. Um, <clears throat> he said, and he was exactly talking about like the choices that we make. He's like, 
isn't it interesting that whenever you have a problem, you're always there? <laughs> oh, and so I'm cool. like, I love this one because instead of like, <laughs> oh, so-and-so did this to me. Yes, maybe someone was rude to you or, you know, aggressive or, yeah, but in, in some way, shape or form, like we chose to be around that person consciously or unconsciously. Mm. And that's why being super conscious about everything around us. And I think when that shifted inside of me, that mm -hmm. was like, oh my God, you know, like it was that like lifting an so elephant off my back, yeah. not a monkey. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. You know, and then in the beginning I was mad. I'm like, oh, it's like, it's not my fault. <laughs> and it, like being like my fault is kind of like a heavy word, but yeah, I attracted that. And sometimes like our choices were made in a past life. And then that's what they call the karma for this life. But we can also generate, you know, the karma in this life. So by making conscious choices and also by fulfilling your dharma, you know, your, your life mission, mm. you, you cancel your, your karma. So, and it's not about like, oh my God, I have to be perfect from now on. There's no such no. thing, right? This is just an illusion. Perfectionism but, is a disease. It, FYI. It's totally, yeah. <laughs> those don't, who don't know, you might be high functioning, <laughs> but it's a disorder. Um, yeah. Have you seen the movie Breakfast at Tiffany's? One yes. of the best streaming coding movies ever. Um, I love that movie. That was the first time I understood that like problems follow you and like lies go on airplanes with you and like you can keep moving around, but you're just going to keep running right back into yourself. I mean, I'm definitely a testament to that. I'm living in my 15th city right now. <laughs> so I've tried many versions of myself. This was the first home where I ever was like, let's just process here. Like what the truth is, you know, and, and what's serving Absolutely. me and what's not. Well, when I, like, when I travel to 12 countries and this is something that, you know, <laughs> In the editing room, it came up a lot. It's like, <laughs> why in my first documentary did I have to travel to 12 countries? Like, why couldn't I make a film in my garage and learn the process? <laughs> because, the, and the truth is, I was running away. Like, I'm going to just pack all my problems and I'm going to leave them in storage. <laughs> I'm going to deal with them whenever I have time. If one day in the future, I feel like having time for that. But then exactly what, what you just said, it's like, they follow you wherever you go. There's no, and then hmm. the sooner we deal with the things that we have to deal, the best. The, you know, the the, the, the fast we're gonna overcome them is like, okay, let's just get over and done with this because this is gonna haunt me. It's gonna go. Well, you're right. You're gonna keep go. learning the same lessons until you learn it, right? I and love the Bob Marley song. get more difficult. Yeah. It'll just be more and more like apparent, you know, but you're still not getting the message. I mean, I love that Bob Marley song. If you're not happy, travel wide. I like listened to that so much. And I, that was probably a big um, decider for me to be like, I'm going to travel and like, you know, let, I, I need to be around people who like, let me try like a new version of myself and stop testing me all the time. To, like, see if I'm still messed up, you know? Um, and actually in my role now, I was taught something in our training program, which has been really beautiful for how you're dealing with people because um 
there, I know you definitely had this experience and I had this experience too, with all the places that I lived, like somewhere in the middle, probably like in the 10th place that I lived. Um, there was this moment where I stopped running away and I started running towards and everyone's either running away from something or running towards something or running away from themselves or running towards themselves. And, um, and I think it's really important to know if you're running away, if you're someone who run, like is running away or if you're someone who's running towards. And I think it's really mature to know where you're at on that and to know if now you are giving yourself permission to run towards that which feels good, not which feels familiar and that which you're trying to, to do in life and not just what you're trying to like leave behind. And I think that might be called adulting, but it also is just really an important thing to know because everyone's somewhere on that path, you know, and I know the traveling, there is this like moment where you're like, Oh, I'm not running away anymore. Even like, I didn't know when that happened, but like, when I look back at the journey, I'm like, Oh, that was right there where I stopped running away. And I started, I was like, I'm actually moving towards instead of running away. Um, cause I was definitely a runner. I've been called a runner in many relationships too. Oh, I was, I was a total Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I always say like, there was this moment I was like about to move to Singapore and everyone's like, why were you moving to Singapore? I'm like, I was just like Forrest Gump. I was running. And then I just like one day stopped running. I was like, I just want to move back to America. You know, like I'm sick of all this running. And so I love that Forrest Gump is like a huge part of both of our lives. <laughs> so like, maybe we should also watch that one. Maybe we should do a premiere of like Forrest Gump with Quest for Beauty. Like that would be yeah. pretty cool. And if I, if they had tickets to the moon, I'll probably have gone to the moon. <laughs> exactly. If Mars was open, I would have totally gone to another planet. Elon mm -hmm. Musk, hurry up. Um, yeah, I'm happy to say now I'm really content with Earth. One more question. I mean, we're coming up on time. I like wish I could just talk to you forever, but a few questions about like, I know that when we um, had first spoken, you're like, great, this little thing called COVID happened and it's like kind of screwing with my premiere. So I love how creative you got with what, what you were going to do with your premiere. And I'd love for you to tell people about that. And then also let's um, get people to the film as well. So first question is like, how did you premiere it? And how did COVID like try to stop you? And then how did you triumph over that? So we had the premiere scheduled for March, March 16th, and they declared the pandemic on March 11th, I think. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah. And I was just, I was not in my body anymore at that point. I'm like, are you kidding me? And I was in denial for so long. I'm like, no, this is not happening. No, I'm not going to call it out. And then my producer was like, Chris, like, I know it hurts. I know it sucks, but this is, this is what we need to do. And so then I wrote an email to everyone. I'm like, oh my God. And then we needed to make sure that everybody got the email. Anyway, that was that whole just formality process of canceling everything. It was hard. Mm. You know, when you think like, okay, I got all the lessons and then boom, another one just blows up right on your face. I'm like, like okay, five or six also years of work. <laughs> You're like six years of work. Exactly. But then, you know, it's very easy 
And I did that in the beginning to go like, oh, poor me. See what happened to me? Oh, my God. I had my premium. And then you, you look outside, you know, and there are people like losing their jobs and losing their lives and losing loved ones. And there's so much other stuff that I'm like, oh, my God, like, stop being so selfish again, you know. Mm. So then I'm like, okay there's a reason for everything and I have to do a lot of you know work to accept that and perhaps I'm not fully done with that but <laughs> <laughs> but then I'm like okay you know they they just you know toss you another problem another challenge and then like what do you do with that and so I'm like okay let's just see what other people are going to do, you know, because other people, obviously they had more resources perhaps. And, you know, so I started looking what bigger filmmakers were doing because, you know, there were like big festivals happening and, you know, we got into a few festivals that they went online and that also sucked. And it's just like a snowball of everything. And, um, you know, it was hard for everyone. And, and then, so we decided to go online. So then I'm like, okay, let's do this. And it was very interesting to see people like, oh my God, you know, thank you so much for accommodating and for doing this and kind of like finding different ways. And some other people, they're like, no, I prefer to wait. And so like, like I, we gave everyone, you know, the chance to choose whether they still wanted to watch the film online or not, obviously. And, but it was, it was very interesting, you know, because that had allowed us to have people from 11 countries joining us. Yeah. So of all the that countries part. that I, I traveled to. Yeah. And, you know, the interviewees, they, they had a chance to speak with their friends and friends of a friend. So I'm like, wow, you know, if, I mean, if we had just a premiere here in Los Angeles, we would not have the chance to, you know, do something like bigger um with the same and you know cost wise it was it was way cheaper but and you also you know, did it, donation based tickets that um benefited a women's shelter with it as well right yeah because the film like what triggered me to make the film was the domestic abuse that i suffered so i felt like that today i mean i'm married i'm in a very beautiful relationship and so the film had allowed me to grow so much and I felt like it was my turn to give back because mm -hmm. if we don't give back then what's the point you know if life just gives 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 and then you don't give anything back it's like like no so we donated a hundred percent of the tickets and all the donations to this um, women's shelter here in Los Angeles um that was my small contribution to the world and it just felt so good mm. you know it felt like I came full circle yes I love that you did that you know I'm like not only I had the chance I had the opportunity the amazing opportunity to travel around the world and I mean how many people can actually afford to do that and I'm not suggesting anyone to just like sell all their stuff and start traveling <laughs> because the actual journey happened inside of me. You know, yes. the, the, the physical journey was amazing and I'm not going to say it wasn't, but then that was a distraction from the actual journey that was happening inside of me. And that's the journey that actually changed me. Mm. So you sit in a corner in your house, in your bedroom and you meditate, you go inside, you pray, 
you really like go inside and be with your demons and journaling helped me a lot. And after all that, you know, I, I became a new person. I mean, I, I became who I am. And, yes. you know, like every day we have the opportunity to like, and this is not like, oh my God, I'm done with my journey. No, like it's just the beginning. But then I feel like now I know like how I, I went from point A to B. Like, mm. wow, you know, like that's so amazing. And, and then I wonder like, how is it going to be like when I get to C and then you have D and then it's like, <laughs> you have all these like other stages of evolution. That. I'm like, oh my God, yeah. I'm not going to get all the way to <laughs> So it's like a never going all the way to guru. <laughs> yeah. And then like, I mean, when I interviewed that guru, I'm like, oh my God, like, like, how do you get to this point? And then yeah. talk in the, in the interviews, like it's a journey. It's not like something that you just snap your finger. And then our society is so used to like, you know, you, you, you click a button and then we have everything mm. and like, oh my God, like whatever I ordered yesterday has not arrived yet. Oh my God. Yeah. Right like a gratification yeah exactly so and then that's when I think that's why people they they give up meditating and meditation and and doing the inner work because it's not immediate you know Mm, yeah it takes a long time to do that for like five ten twenty years yeah yeah I mean somebody said to me once um maybe perfect is when you take all the layers off so you can just get to who you are and that like really is the version of perfect that I'm striving for. Cause I, my, my battle is perfectionism and, and it crutches and debilitates me in really sick ways. I call myself a recovering perfectionist, but I think like, if you want to truly be beautiful and you want to truly find who you are like that work, it doesn't, you're not going to actually do it with all the traveling. It does take I mean, look, I lived in a lot of places and the, the real work came for me when I stopped moving around and I moved to a place where there wasn't an ability for a large social life. And I really, um, someone said to me, you know, you should actually get to know your shadow. Like your shadow's upset that you ignore her. She's trying to tell you something and you're not listening to her. And that's why she's acting up. And so she's part of you and she's not going to go anywhere until you accept her and you love her. And that was really profound for me and the meditation and the yoga and the eating healthy, um, it all is a part of it, you know, and, and, and learning like a real self-care act and a self-care act for your light and your dark, you know, like they're, you're both, you know? So, um, that's so beautiful to, to tell people that they don't have to travel like we did. No, and, they and don't- there's really no separation between you know what we call us in the shadow yeah <laughs> no one part and we tend to like oh this is not me right yes it is you yeah it is telling us, you. you know telling you all and sorts you of embraces stuff. like come just give me a hug mm-hmm. and then you make peace and then when you see that you know the shadow the shadow is your teacher yeah it's gonna be a very painful teacher <laughs> but then when you start like you learn one lesson and then you're gonna feel like wow, I'm so much better now. And then you just cannot wait to learn the second one and then the third one, and then you keep on learning. Mm-hmm. I think for, for sure the first lesson is, it tends to be the harder because we don't want to accept that. But once you accept it, and then it's like, wow, I'm in such a, like a, I'm in a much better place right now that mm-hmm. you just cannot wait to continue on that inner journey. Mm-hmm. 
I've had several women from our, our group that this podcast supports ask me like how to do the work, how to start doing the work. And I always tell people to go and listen to the ACEs podcast that we did with Allison. Um, you know, understanding what we went through when we were kids that we had no control over societally in our homes, in our peer groups, um, intimately, and then also our inherited traumas, the pillars of trauma, which Chantal Chapman talks about on this podcast. Those are probably the two podcasts. If you're listening to this and you're like, how do I even start? Like we inherit a lot of stuff from our mothers and our grandmothers and our fathers and our grandfathers. We inherit, um, like gender conditioning, which you and I are both passionate about, which we've talked about. Um, and we inherit societal messages that are large of a uh, part of a larger societal like plan that may or may not be our plan. And so those are good places to like start with. Um, and then you can kind of like, once you deal with that kind of stuff, then you can be like, what else is lingering is the stuff that you personally experienced in your you know, 25 to wherever you're at agent wise now. Um, and, and it's, it's hard to, to, to really get to that place. If you don't understand what has affected your willpower, which, you know, your prefrontal cortex affects your willpower, right? It's your relationship with everybody. And so that's developing until we're 25. So all the things that happened to us until we're 25, like really affect our ability to make decisions and have relationships. So if you're having like struggle, I would say start there. Um, there's a lot of people in my world that are like super into psychedelics. And I, I tell people really often, like, look, like you can do psychedelics and you can do them with guides, but I wouldn't want the first time I do a psychedelic to be the first time I'm like talking to my shadow and seeing my darkness. Like you don't need to, you don't need to use a substance to figure out what is, um, inside of you that is trying to teach you something what's inside of you that isn't serving you. Um, you can do that without like help. Um, but I also think like, make sure you have a support group. If you're going to do that on your own, I did it by myself and it was really hard. Um, and I would have, if I had it to do over again, I would have had a few, I mean, I, I talked to a few friends, but I would have had friends on call. Like I had this crazy experience. I need to talk through it with somebody. I need a witness, you know, um, instead of just journaling and, you know, yogaing it out. So those, that's my goal for a few or my, my guidance for a few of the girls who have asked me, like, how do you start doing this work? Because like what you and I went through all the motion, um, it was really when we like sit down and we process that we see real change and it's over year long work, you know, multiple years of doing it. Um, we are such an instant gratification society and the important stuff takes time, you know, and takes le learning. <laughs> yeah. And another thing that, you know, sometimes I catch myself, you know, of course, like, especially these days, it's, it's a roller coaster of emotions, like every day, something different. And we have to accept so many things that's happening that is not under our control and like just releasing control of everything. But then, when you do the work, whatever work that you're gonna do, like you can start meditating five minutes a day. And if you start journaling, like commit yourself to write two pages, just write like how you feel, start questioning. And then you're gonna, you're gonna learn something about yourself. Like, why am I feeling this way? Like what triggered me this? Or like, maybe like you, you have like 
uh, a relationship or like maybe you have trouble with your family or whatever that might be, you know, like just explore that, but don't have like, oh, I want to get this out of this meditation. You know, like right. meditation doesn't work like that. You know, <laughs> meditation is just being, you know, like we have this in a society that we're not human beings, we're human doings. <laughs> Someone said this that That's so funny. so funny. I love that. Human doings. Human, human doings. <laughs> and we always have like all these expectations because it's like, okay, so if I'm going to eat healthy, like I expect to lose weight. If I'm going to exercise, I expect my body to look better. And we always have like all these expectations. And then when you meditate, if you approach meditation this way, that's when meditation, like quote unquote, doesn't work. But, you know, just be, you know, mm -hmm. try to experience that silence inside of you because when even like if it's a fraction of you know time that you you connect with the source and that is going to start expanding that's going to start making you more aware of yourself of your surrounding of your life of your choices of the consequences of your choices and why things are the way they are and it's going to be like a very long process but then if you don't start <laughs> <laughs> you're never gonna, gonna get, get there right well yeah what's that the problem with doing nothing is that you never know when you're done <laughs> <laughs> which is good I again that. i think that's a lesson in itself yeah because we always have like okay if i'm you know jump in my car i'm gonna go from a to b and you know i know what's yeah. gonna happen it's like we're control free yeah sometimes just go on a journey you know? <laughs> i used to before i started traveling i i would just jump in my car, I'll wake up in the middle of the night, I can go back to sleep, I'll jump in my car and I'll start driving. I'll drive all the way down to Malibu because I, I used to live on the west side and I'll drive for like an hour, an hour and a half and then back. I'm like, and I'll just roll down the window, it would just be me. <laughs> oh, I love that drive. That drive is so beautiful. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. and I didn't have a destination. I'm like, I'm just gonna go. Mm, yeah, learn and the art of kind of like what I did everybody. with the film. <laughs> yeah, dude, nice. So. Yeah. Um, do you have any like book recommendations for someone who's looking to be in the film industry? Um, obviously, the film we're going to recommend is Quest for Beauty, and I'll put links to everything in the resources. But are there any like added resources for someone who might want to try to do this as a profession or anything, any books that have really changed your life? that changed my life. Added value, added, added a lot of value. Oh my God, I have so many. <laughs> One that I finished recently, finally, was Autobiography of a Yogi. Ooh. I could not recommend this, this book more. It's, it was such a beautiful journey, like how not to fall in love with um, Paramahansa Yogananda and that beautiful human being. and. And even like reading the book, I think like you could see like he was very naive exploring things. And that's another thing, another layer of the book that I really like. Mm. He would approach things like, you know, like very humbly. And I feel like when you look at children, they're so humble, they're naive, they're cute. And then he's like, oh my God, they're, you know, discovering <laughs> the world. And that's, that's beautiful, you know, and somehow we lose this and then we just become like, oh yeah, I'm so full of myself, you know? <laughs> Um, I'm starting a very, um, 
incredible book finally that's called um it's a in portuguese i'm going to try to translate i don't know the translation in english um planetary transition hmm. so it's about this aquarius era and the new world that we are creating and something that was written maybe 10 years ago and this author he's a medium in brazil so he channels books his name is Givaldo Franco and he has written more than 250 books. Wow. He's still alive. I've, I've seen him um, maybe four or five times here in Los Angeles. Like he, he gives talks and it's such an incredible, like someone I cool. really admire. I, I really like his, like his books. Yeah, I feel like these two are, especially for now, I think they are amazing books. And it's like the autobiography of a, uh, Yogananda, Autobiography of Yogi. Ooh, we lost, yeah. yeah. Like it's, it's such a beautiful journey. Um, amazing. Thank you so much for that. And also if you, if you have any books that are like good resources for people in the film industry, um, send them to me and I'll put them in the description of the podcast. So people who are kind of considering this as a career, since it is a career podcast, I mean, we're also a spiritual wellness podcast, let's be honest, but I want people who are interested in film to have um, a few resources as well. Um, but thank you so much for your time. You're so amazing and such an inspiration. And I'm just so grateful to have you on here and call you a friend. And, and I can't wait until I get back out to California and get to hang out with you again. So just thank you so much for your time. You're amazing and keep up the amazing work. Thank you, Mauro. Thank you so much. I think the work you're doing is beautiful. And yeah, send you a lot of love. Can't wait to see you again. Yoginis unite. <laughs>